0: Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. Everyone doing good this morning? Okay, good, all right, yeah. (laughs) I'm glad the students are here. I'm glad you're here uh, and not in Birmingham anymore. Great. Uh, I had the privilege of being the student pastor here for a couple of years and uh, went down to um, the uh, motion conference this year. Uh, Just traveled down for about a day and a half and spent some time with our students. And uh, just they had a they had an absolute awesome time. Uh, I was there while they were at the YMCA camp and they uh, you guys are incredible. And so go ahead. Give them give yourself a hand. And they, yeah, everyone give them a hand. They're awesome. It was a, we had a, we had a blast doing it, but it brought me back. It brought me back to when I was, um, a, a, a student. And I think I said this last week, but uh, when you're in seventh and eighth grade and, and a boy, um, there's no way to look cool. Like we try really hard and I'm sorry if there's any seventh or eighth grade, like, don't worry. It'll be over soon. Um, it seems like a lifetime, but it is really hard to be cool. And, uh, um. You guys are cool. I feel horrible right now with you guys looking at me. <laughs> but uh I, I took my very first student trip. My dad planted a church in Saco, Maine, and when he planted the church, it was a very small growing uh very small church, while especially in the beginning stages, and that's right when I was about sixth, seventh grade. And so uh, I, remember, I remember families would show up like a first time guest. And when you're a church plant, I didn't really get this until like later on in ministry. But my dad would be like, hey, how's it going? So glad that you're here. And especially if they had teenagers, like finally we got. A and they'd be like, so what do you guys have for students? And they're like nothing yet. But if you'll stay, we'll have something. And uh, they'd be like, yeah, we're out. And so uh, the, the first student trip I ever took, we actually went, I went with another church. It was about 35 minutes away. My best friend was on the trip. His name was Brian, and his dad was the pastor at a church about 35 minutes away. And, and they loaded up in a white, unmarked 15-passenger van uh, where the AC only works if you're going 75 miles an hour down the highway with the windows open, if you know what I mean. And so we actually were in Maine, and we, the, the conference that we went to was in northwest Indiana, and so it would take, I think, like nonstop, it took about eighteen hours. But with stops, it was about it was a whole day, twenty four hours of in a van. And I don't know if you've ever been in a van with teenagers. It's not fun, and there's lots of smells that are especially twenty four hours of smells. And so there's uh, uh so we drove well, on the way. Uh, we stopped at at Sandusky, Ohio, because it was on the way. Everyone know where Sandusky, Ohio is. You ever been to Cedar Point? Yeah okay Uh, cedar point's awesome and so i don't i don't know if i know they have like great americas and then what's the one in cincinnati it's a a king's island king's island like like horrible like once you've been to cedar point like king's island and and great america like they are absolutely zero comparison i'm sorry if i'm offending you but i mean it, it, it it's awesome but this was my first trip i had never been on a roller coaster in my entire life And I'm in this 15-passenger van. I'm sitting all the way in the back. I thought my best friend was going to be my best friend, but he's with his youth group. And so he was not paying any attention to me. And I was like, oh, man, I'm just here by myself. This is going to be great. And so there was a a, a counselor that also went on the trip. His name was Don. And I compare him to, like, Jamie Sanders. Jamie, raise your hand. You're in this. I said this in the first service. Yeah, Jamie's awesome. So J- Jamie is one of those student uh, ministry uh, volunteers counselors that it's because he never grew up and he just wants to go on roller coasters and do cool things that teenagers do. And he's like, sure, I'll help counsel and guide kids. Uh, so Don was the same guy. Well, he saw me kind of by myself and he was like, hey, why don't you come with me? And so I-, I went with him and here we are at Cedar Point and I'm like, oh, man, this is my first student ministry trip seventh grade this is going to be awesome and he's like you want to go on a roller coaster I was like yeah I do and inside I was like not really but I had to act cool so I was like yeah let's go and so we go and uh, uh, I can't remember I think it's called the mean streak but I think they renamed it uh, it was all the way in the back of the park and at the time this we're talking like mid-90s okay uh, at the time it, it was either the world's fastest or tallest wooden roller coaster. It's actually shut down right now, and it should have been shut down 20 years ago <laughs> because of how dangerous uh, of a roller coaster it is. I mean, just I mean, I go on one now, I'm too old. You go on a wooden roller coaster, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Can I get a witness in the house? Yeah, it's out of control, it's horrible. Like, it, throw your back out. And so, go on this roller coaster, and you know how they say, don't look down, right? Don't look down, just keep looking up. Uh, I look down the whole time. Like as we're going up, I'm like, "Wow, that's really, really far. Wow, we're not even close. Wow, that's really, really far." And I started to get that like feeling in my stomach. This is my first roller coaster, y'all. Like this is horrible. And like we get up, and I'm like, "Why is my seat warm right now?" And <laughs> <I'm> joking, <laughs> we get all the way to the top. That was for the students. We get all the way up to the all the way up to the top. And 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 uh, Don was one of those guys where he's like, "He, it's like go big or go home, obviously." Like, we're going on the world's tallest or fastest wooden roller coaster in the world. And when we get to the top, we're also in the front of the roller coaster. So there's nothing in front of me. And you know how, like, when you get to the top and, like, it starts to go over? Well, when you're on the front, it kind of, like, suspends you for a second because the back is still trying to catch up. So I'm, like, hanging, and I'm like, I'm going I'm to die. <laughs> I'm going to die on my first youth trip, first roller coaster. It's over. This is it. And it goes down, and I got so scared. This is not a joke. I, I, I put my hand on the back of my head, both hands, and I put my head between my knees. I was so scared. I remember, like, as it would go up, I'm like, oh, like, just wanting to, like, puke. And, and then I, I, I get all the way down to the end, and I'm like, thanks, Don, for going. And he's like, yeah, no problem, man. That was awesome. Hey, you did a great job. I'm like, okay, cool. He must have been, like, like just, you know, like, such a caring you know, counselor, like caring for me and praying for me in that moment that God was going to do great things for my life, and 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 when we got, I didn't know they really took pictures. My first roller coaster. I didn't know. So I, the, we get down the and I was like, Oh yeah, that was awesome. Because I'm you know in seventh grade and I'm trying to impress the ninth grade girl and that's like four feet taller than me. And I was like, Man, that was awesome. Yeah, it was my first one. Yeah, no big deal. I went on the front and she's like, Yeah, yeah, you did. I can see a picture of you with your head between your legs. And then the counselor that loved me and and prayed for me so much is literally not paying attention to me at all. He's like, (laughs) and there I am. It was was horrible. And then uh, this is a side note, but like one of the girls accidentally bought my photo instead of hers. And so it got passed around the whole week. (laughs) It was awesome. (laughs) I remember we went to the conference and uh, we were sitting about halfway back the first night and I was completely naive in a good way. And I remember God speaking to my heart. I remember the pastor up there preaching and the word of God doing something inside of me. And I remember feeling called even at that moment to do what I'm doing today. I didn't answer that call as a seventh grade boy, but I remember feeling, man, God wants to use me, but I don't know how. But I, whatever he wants me to do, I'll do it. And I remember the pastor asking for the hands to be raised. And, and I remember Raising my hand and going, yeah, I want to I do great things for God. And then just like you guys do, like when you say no one looking around, like I peaked. And I looked and, and no one else in the group had their hand up. I was the only one. I was the dumb seventh grader that's going, yeah, I'll do something great for God. And the rest of the group, in fact, the whole week, their hearts were hardened. And I remember feeling like my heart needs to be, this, oh, I guess it's not cool to follow Jesus. I remember getting back to my home church and still God stirring inside of me and then going back to my really, really small youth group of four and being in the church and not feeling anything but alone. We're going to read through the passage that we've been going through in the summer, the armor of God. Our students have just come back on fire I mean, you could tell before the service while, you know, the, which I know Summer at Hamilton Hills is about to go away. And, you know, like the two, some of you don't get in here until like 10 minutes after the service starts. So you miss this part. But we actually have like a two minute countdown. And uh, they have like saxophone music like playing. And they're like clapping along with the saxophone music. And like they're like getting with it in worship. I remember coming back and feeling absolutely alone. Like I'm the only one that actually wants to do something, and maybe that's weird that I want to do something. This summer we're ending the sermon series on the armor of God where Paul has written a letter to a church at Ephesus, and he's gone through all of these instructions and and through encouragement. He ends the letter by saying, hey, the devil is going to come after you. Because God is doing something in this church. God is doing something in our student ministry. God is doing something in our church. And that's really awesome. And it'd be a really good thing that we're like, yes, that's awesome. God's doing something. But when God is doing something and people are surrendered to what God is doing, the bullseye on your heart and the bullseye on your spiritual life becomes a whole lot bigger of a target for Satan to come after you. Paul writes this and says, God is moving at the church of Ephesus. But he says in verse 10, and the words will be up on the screen if, if you don't have your Bible with you. He says this, finally, be strengthened by the Lord by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in heaven. When I read through that passage... Doesn't it almost seem like overkill that Paul is doing here? Couldn't he just say like Satan's after you? But Paul is trying to, tr- Paul is trying to tell this church in Ephesus the, the, the struggle is going to be you're going to think that the battle's against the person next to you. The battle you think is going to be your spouse. It's going to be the political system. It's going to be against another person. Can I tell you, can I just say please rest in the vast strength of the Lord Because your struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. And he says, for this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore. And if I could charge you students and those of us in the room this morning, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist. Righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with you, uh, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, he says, take up the helmet of salvation. And then last week we talked about the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then Paul finishes this soliloquy with these last three verses. And he pounds home what is going to be the energy and the force behind all of the armor of God. Which is what I think we miss as Christians or Jesus followers all the time. The Bible is the most prevalent book. If you want a Bible, you probably don't even, you probably have one in your house and you don't even know it. It is the most published book in the history of mankind, and it is all over the place in all kinds of translations here in America. We like to talk about faith, and we have faith as a Jesus follower, and we follow Jesus, and we have the salvation that he offers. But then Paul ends it with three different verses saying this in verse number 18 pray at all times in the spirit. With every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Verse 19, pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with the boldness, the mystery of the gospel. For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. There's no way you could do one sermon on the word prayer. Prayer means a whole lot more than just what 35 minutes can withstand and withhold. But Paul here at the end of this passage is talking about what the driving force and the energy behind the armor of God, what makes it so powerful is being connected to the Spirit of God through prayer. I don't know. I'm about to show my cards as a pastor here. Uh, one of the—I've been guilty of this many times. In fact, I had a couple people at the end of the first service go, "Yeah, you've done that to me," and I was like, yeah, "I knew that was coming." One of the things that we do as Jesus followers—one of the great ways to get out of a conversation that's going really, really long—as a as a pastor, say, "You know what? I'll be praying for you. Have a good day." <laughs> we talk about prayer and, 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 and as if it's something, of course, that that we do as Jesus followers, we pray. But how many of us realize that is the source of the power of God? Prayer is the work. It doesn't lead us to the work of God. And although we know that in our mind, how many of that we could raise our hand and say, that is instilled in my soul, in my being, realizing and resting in the fact that the only way that the armor of God works And what connects us as Jesus followers and connects us to the Spirit of God is through prayer. How many of you as a kid or even now as a parent, you pray before your meal? Pray before my meal? How many of us even in a situation may say, God, help me through this? I know as I was sitting Here in this seat as we were worshiping, I I prayed and I asked God. I said, God, would you fill me with your spirit? Would you let me say the things I'm supposed to say and not tell the jokes I'm not supposed to tell? And all those things are good things and we ought to give thanks for the provision of God. How many of us realize that the power of talking to the creator of the universe that can do anything is where we get our power. Our freedom doesn't come from a political system. Our freedom comes from God, who empowers us even though we may be in bondage politically, even though we could be in a country where we're not allowed to worship in freedom. The freedom that we have to live our life as a Jesus follower comes through the power of God and through prayer. Paul says all this, and then he says, church at Ephesus, please do this. Pray, for, pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Did you know that the disciples, more than likely the oldest disciple, Peter, was probably 21 years of age when he was called into ministry? all of the other disciples were probably 20 or in their late teens as they were called to change the world and flip it upside down for Jesus Christ i love what pastor ty says, he says don't don't, go, don't pat a student on the head in a pandering way and say i hope it's going to be i'm so glad you had a good week at a conference and then in the back of your mind go i know that that fire is going to die down in a couple of weeks. Can I tell you that that is usually the case, right? You know why that's usually the case? Because our generation doesn't actually believe that God can flip the world upside down with a couple of teenagers. That's why. That's why. Because if, if truth be told right now, if I match the numbers and the ratios, I go, there's no way that they're going to make it. Odds are stacked and it's impossible. Can I tell you that when the disciples went into Jerusalem and Pentecost happened, the odds were stacked against them. When Peter preached a sermon to the people that put Jesus on the cross and used scripture and all of a sudden a movement happened and a change happened and the world was never the same. It was because a bunch of young people decided that they weren't going to care what the world thought. But can you imagine if there was a church that came alongside of students and said, we know you're the next generation and we're going to pray for you, that you'll have the boldness to speak the gospel, that the sins of our fathers and the sins of the past will not placate into your life, and that you'll be able to live a life full of freedom to do what God has called you to do. I had... A, um, I went to Bible college, 2001, and in 2004, I don't like some of you know this. I don't like to say this, especially from the stage. I got kicked out of Bible college, and now I'm here. <laughs> in fact, I got kicked out twice. <laughs> I remember I transferred to a school in Arkansas. And I remember being there for six months and I was done. Honestly, didn't know why I was still in college, Bible college. I thought, why am I doing this? I'm never going to get hired. I remember I got asked to be in a couple of different ministries and to lead a couple of different ministries. I was so broken and hurt from four years of trying to do everything in my own power and trying to do what I thought God wanted me to do and then for it all to just go away. By transferring, I lost like a whole semester of credits. And then the two semesters I got kicked out, I lost those credits, which equaled another year and a half of school. I was tired. I remember the president of the college called a meeting with me. I'm like, oh great, here we go. So I walked in, he sat down, he was about 75 years old. His name was Judson. Sounds old, doesn't it? Judson. I'm sitting across from old Judson, and Judson looked at me. He had these big old eyebrows, you know. (laughs) He goes, Matt, I'm about to blow your mind. I just looked at him. I didn't even do it. In my mind, I was going, what? But I was the president. I was like, yes, sir, please do. He said, "Uh, you may not see it. God's going to do great things with you. I remember he probably didn't even mean it. <laughs> I don't even know if he knew what he was doing. But I believed him. He said it with such conviction. Now, I do believe he meant it. I'm going to say this to the students, to everybody that's in here. I don't know what kind of week you've had. I don't know what kind of season you've had. I don't know what kind of life you've had. I don't know where in the life is messy stage you are at. You could be right in the middle of it, right in the storm. You could be in an eye in the storm. You could be just coming out of a season of it, feeling broken, feeling like I am just a cog in the machine of American culture. And as long as I can come to church, raise my hand, maybe get my Bible every once in a while, Just try to make it through. If I can just get to the other side and just make my marriage work well enough to get by. And you're living your Christian life just trying to sustain. Can I tell you if I could take the time to look each one of you in the eye, no matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter what stage of life you are in. Could I tell you that God has something big for? For you to do for him and his kingdom. You may not feel the boldness. You may not feel it. But can I tell you. If I could grow my eyebrows out longer. And get a little bit more of an old voice and say, God wants to do something with you. And he designed you perfectly. He knew every experience you were going to have, good and bad. And he is shaping you to do something great for his kingdom. Here's the missing component. You can put on all the armor of God, but unless it's like the Energizer bunny with the battery stuck in it, you can have all the right pieces, but the energy and the power comes through prayer. This is what we're going to do. In just a moment, I'm going to have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I'm going to pray for our students, and I'm going to ask our students to come up here, and then I'm going to ask a move of our church. I'm going to ask you to move. Maybe it will be uncomfortable for you. I don't know how comfortable it is for you to get up and move out. I don't know if this is your first week or your second week, but I'm going to ask us to come around our students and to pray for our students. Number one, we're going to pray that God gives them boldness. pray that God gives them boldness, that no matter what school they go to, no matter what neighborhood they're in, no matter what their family situation is, no matter what their friend situation, their popularity level, all of those things that play into being a student, no matter where they are in life, that God will give them boldness to give the gospel. Because I got news for all of us. That's what it's all about. You're on earth to give the gospel to somebody else. You've got the cure to hopelessness right here in the word of God. And we are commanded by scripture and given the power through prayer to give everybody the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what age you're in, no matter what spiritual level you're in, trust me, the enemy's got a bunch of excuses for you. I only go to church every once in a while. God still wants you to do great things for him. It ain't about going to church not about filling in that checkbox. It's about being connected to the power of God. Can I say we have it in reverse? I go to church because I'm excited about what God's doing in my life and I'll get fired if I don't. (laughs) I read the word of God, not every day because of this. Sometimes I do it because I go, God, I need something but because out of an overflow, as a byproduct of wanting to be connected to the Spirit of God. Wanting to not just live this life just to do all the things that happen in life, but to make a difference for eternity. Don't you want that? Don't you want to make a difference for eternity? Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org. We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.